we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is uh, Science in Between. And this is Scott. And, and I'm Ollie. I, I think that, that might have been the best intro we've ever done. That was the most professional job that we wow. ever did right up until the point where we started talking about what a professional job it was that we just did. Well, I think that's part of the, you know, breaking that fourth wall is, is or fifth what wall doing? or whatever it is. Yeah, the third the wall. wall, breaking the wall is what we do here. That's what people come to expect. That, <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's the what people expect when they come. Yeah, it's like when you go and go see like, uh, you know, a Deadpool movie, you know, you expect Deadpool to talk to the audience and, you know. Yeah. Or it's like uh, when you go to see a Gallagher uh, show, you expect him to smash a watermelon with a hammer and spray it all over the front of the audience. Look at you with the up to date contemporary references. I mean, I just I think Gallagher's probably dead now, but but (laughs) I'm just saying. Like I could, I could have made a carrot top reference, uh, right? Or Laurel and Hardy. Oh, <laughs> Laurel and Hardy. Yes, you know, since you're coming in hot with your contemporary references. Marx Brothers. I was <laughs> yes. watching a Marx Brothers film the other day, and you don't think I noticed was? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I think we're done with the silliness. Let's get on <laughs> let's, track. Let's get back on track. Yes. So what are um, we talking about this week, Ali? Oh, you just took my line. Uh, so we were we were discussing. I think if we go through this, uh, you know, the numerous shows we've 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 done at, at this point, what are we up to like 90 something? Uh, and I think we keep talking about I think we've talked about this on, on multiple occasions, the 5E model. Um, and we kept saying, hey, we're going to put a pin in that. Let's, we talk. And I think part of it was that, you know we were avoiding the old man shakes fist at cloud thing, you know, and which I think can, this is one of those, you know, subjects I think can the, the Dr. Cranky pants. Yes. Episode. Which is your vanity license plate. That's it is. your, yeah. it well, is Dr. Don't, Cranky. Don't, you can't think you're, <laughs> now you're compromising my op, OPSEC here. I, when I, you say yes, stuff like that. I know. Sorry. But uh, so the 5e model is, it was, is, you know, one of these, you know, instructional is, models is. that um, people like, prop up as the model of uh, good science instruction. Um, and, and I think that it's kind of like one of those tools, like any of the tools that we've talked about in, uh, in, in the history of the show is that it becomes, someone throws it out as an idea, somebody throws it out as something and they collect some evidence on it. And it's like, hey, this thing is, uh, can be a powerful tool. And then it becomes the tool. It becomes the yeah. only tool. Well, it de- doesn't just become the tool; it becomes the thing, right? Right. And, and I think there's there's analogies here that we can talk about to science learning. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, and so it just becomes this this monster that just takes over all of the air in the room, um, and then you know it just becomes institutionalized, and that's what's happened with the five E, you know, model and all of its like offshoots and offspring, right? And and I think it has some utility. You know, um, certainly if I was a you know new science teacher, I'd want to, you know, have some sort of scaffold or some way to better understand. So I think, you know, if if you're somebody who's not in science education, um, but just this is a, actually a, a pretty decent model that you can think about in terms of, you know, classroom discourse. Um, the 5E model in, in some order is you engage students, then have them explore the topic and then have them, you know, develop some explanations and then there's some elaboration that happens, and then there's some evaluation. So those are the five E's, and it's just they're all E words, and hence the five E's. Um, and it could be a really good way of considering how to foster classroom discourse around scientific concepts. So, yeah, um, and it's it's another it. So this is Roger Bybee's creation. Um, I I have to really look to see when the when he originated it, but my guess is sometimes sometime in the late eighties, maybe early nineties. Um, but that may be old, old dating it too much, but, um, but essentially what he was trying to do is, um, characterize, I mean, in some ways it's, it's, uh, more like ambitious science teaching than it is like the science and engineering practices. Um, it, but it's sort of, it's, you know, it's sort of in a liminal space in between those two, because it, it characterizes, sort of simultaneously 
the teaching practice and the student practice. So we've differentiated this before, and I think it's right. an important differentiation. But, you know, we talk about the science and engineering practices. Those are the things that students should be doing in class. Like, they should be doing these things. And then we talk about things like ambitious science teaching, which is a characterization of what teachers do to create a learning environment where kids are doing what the NGSS says they should be doing in terms of science and engineering practices. So the 5E is mostly a description of what the kids um, are doing. So it's sort of like the science and engineering practices, but it has some sort of nuance to the way that it's often talked about that I think brings it a little up a level from that. So it's sort of a little closer to being about the teaching practices too. So, um, but, but it is interesting. And, and, you know, Bybee laid this out as a way to think about like, you know, at that point, really, what does it mean to have an inquiry classroom, like a, a classroom that is engaged in, in inquiry science? Because that's really, that was the, that was the lingua. The, that was the thing. Yeah, that was the, that was the terminology at the time. So you were going to say lingua franca. I was, you? but I think that's an incorrect use of that. So I stopped. Uh, yeah. So it's just lingua. I thought uh, something. It left it dangling there. All right. Because I don't want the English or the Latin scholars that listen to this podcast to come uh, back at me and say, uh, yeah, we'll get hate, hate mail over About the lingua franca thing. Yeah. We don't yeah. So I, I did a little Googling and uh, <laughs> Googling. it was you're you're right. It was the late 1980s that uh, Bybee created this and it was Look part of the me. BSCS stuff. Oh, so yes. That, right. Yeah. So that's the biology, you know group right the bscs biology biology the B curriculum studies yes BS. biological sciences curriculum studies i think that's what it is i nailed it yeah nailed it nailed it yeah. in four only yes four. yeah but hey we did it together nice yeah so i mean i, I think it, you know going through it's like you know, it's like the Madeline Hunter stuff, you know, like it becomes the thing, right? It, I think we've talked about, you know, some tests that they were using, you know, for, you know, testing people's psychological, you know, there was an episode we talked about that, right? Where people's, sure. you know, and then it became the thing, right? And I think, right. you know, if you were, I think if we would be able to corner Roger Bybee at some conference and say, hey, how are you feeling about the 5E model now? Right. You know, I think, you know, while he's built a career around this, I would argue he probably goes, well, it's not, it's not the only model. It could be a model. At least I would hope he would have that sort of like some humility. Yeah. Because I mean, well, you, you were saying that at one point we, we talked a little bit about this before the show oh, yeah. you said, saying about how NSTA, you know, with their journals. Yeah. Talk, so, talk about that. yeah. So one of the things that used to be true with the, so NSTA, which is the nice national science teachers association has a number of journals that are practitioner focused journals. So the science teacher, science scope and science and children. Um, so one for elementary, one for middle and one for high school. And, um, and they, for a, a significant period of time, up until relatively recently, required that if you submitted an article to them to be published, that you use the 5E model as part of the article. So you couldn't, you couldn't use, so for example, if we submitted an article that was, that was organized around ambitious science teaching, they would say, no, no, you need to have the 5E model in here. So, um, so it was like in the same way that, that conceptual change for about a 20 year period was literally the only way you could do published research or pretty close to literally the only way um, you could do published research in science education. The 5e model was, was super dominant, um, especially in NSTA journals. So um, now we didn't, before we jump up the level, cause I have some sort of philosophical big, you know, 50,000 foot view stuff to talk about this. But before that you started down the road of the five E's and you, and I, and I don't know if I interrupted you or you interrupted yourself, but there was an interruption <laughs> that happened and you got sidetracked. So do you want to go back and, and walk through the five E's again, just so we have the, them on the table? Sure. So there's the engage. This is the beginning of the cycle, right? This is where um, you create some sort of, phenomenon or you know some sort of problem or something situating something for the students that you engage their curiosity right um in madeline hunter era this would have been the anticipatory set oh, right? yeah, i know but i, I know it. i'm just throwing it in there because it's like it's another one of those monsters right it's one of these you know 
things that become, you know, so institutionalized. Now, I know, thankfully, it's become, you know, a, a part of history, hopefully. Well, I'm not sure about that. I mean, and, and I don't know which one you're talking about becoming part of history, the Madeline Hunter part of the 5E part. But no, okay. I think Ma- the Madeline Hunter, you know, lesson planning, hopefully. I don't know. So don't know. it seems like Madeline Hunter's framework is alive and well. Every time I talk to somebody from a school district, they're like, oh, yeah, we use Madeline Hunter's model for whatever evaluation of teachers or. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, so so there's and, and like you said, there's when you're doing this, there's as a teacher, there are things you're supposed to be doing and things that students are supposed to be doing. This is where the teacher is asking lots of questions, you know, posing phenomenon, like really trying to engage the students in the process of learning to try to, you know, heighten that curiosity. The next thing would be, you know, some sort of exploration. So explore would be the next part of that cycle. Again, this is the thing where, you know, you're, you know, as a teacher, kind of directing some of that exploration, um, trying to help them, you know, develop, you know, hypotheses and tests and, you know, you know, trying to bring some evidence to it. So they're like looking at this and trying to engage in the scientific, you know, process to, and I, I mean that not in the, you know, algorithmic way, but I mean it in some sort of like up, approach it scientifically, right? And mm-hmm. e- explore yep. that phenomenon. And then this is where I think there's a little bit of a divergence is the explain part is like, well, who's doing the explaining? You know, in, 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 you know, next generation science, you know, we would be hoping that the students would be doing this, right. We, they would be developing, you know, those explanations and, you know, creating and testing those explanations and, and having. And I think think Bybee's vision was that that would be the case, right. That the students were doing the explaining. I don't think he thought that this was like time when the teacher does the explaining. Yeah. I think, but, but the challenge is I think that whenever um, most teachers or some teachers, I don't want to like overgeneralize, but some teachers get to that point and they are looking at the E as their chance to explain, right? Yeah. Finally give the kids the right answer, give them the right answer. And that's not the idea here. The idea is not that, Hey, okay, you've done this play for the first two parts of the cycle. Now I come in hot and I'm giving you the right answers. And that's not the idea. The explain here is that the students are doing the explanation, not you as the teacher. And so this is where they're creating models, presenting ideas, you know, really wrestling with this in a classroom setting. Um, and then this, the next phase is the elaborate part. Um, this is where the, the students are like really developing um, their, you know, furthering their, their explanations and elaborating on them and, you know, really testing them more and more to see if, um, you know, if it can hold up to the, the public discourse in the classroom. And this is where the, the teacher is probably, you know, trying to bring other data to bear on the conversation, other things that the students should be considering just to really help them develop and, and, and broaden their explanations. Yeah, I think uh, it was often seen as a sort of application phase, right? So this is the point at which you're like, oh, and here's another thing that's related yeah. to this that you could also explain. So that moving uh, to higher order thinking stuff, you know? Maybe. Oh yeah. I, I know. Did you just throw another one in there? I know I did. I did that intentionally. I was, I, 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 I knew that would, I knew that would, you're, you're not going to Scott bait me into getting I am, other stuff today. It's just, I am I, trying. <laughs> my, my, my anger and frustration is already pre-focused. So you're not going to, you're not going to distract me with that. Nice. Try. Yeah. I admire your, your effort. Uh, yeah, I know, I know where the, I, I know where the hot buttons are. So I, I <laughs> And the last phase is, is the evaluation, you know, and, and the evaluate here is where um, the teacher's providing feedback and asks, you know, questions where, and I think that the, the evaluation phase, I think this is the critical part too, is how we evaluate and, mm, yeah. you know, and how we provide feedback. And this is where it should be, if, if we're doing this in a way where, you know, it's built upon explanation, which is the, I think the, the part to me that is the, probably the hardest part of the, the 5e model or the most important part of the 5e model um, is that, you know, the evaluation should be tied to students providing explanations because we know how hard that is. We also know how much it uncovers students, you know, understandings of, of, of science. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think probably the evaluation phase is another place where there's there's potentially different interpretations, right? So Absolutely. The, the traditional interpretation is like 
the teacher evaluates the student's knowledge, right? right? Like I'm going to give them a test, but multiple choice test. Let's give them some multiple choice tests. Right. But not even, even, even if it's not a multiple choice test that evaluate where the teacher is evaluating the students. Another way to interpret it is that the students are evaluating their own understanding of what's happening um, to critique it and, and, you know, improve their understandings. Now, I don't think that's the common interpretation, but, but I think like, you know, we were looking at some representations of this model, one that's the 4E that drops elaborate. Right. And when they describe evaluate, they say students and teachers work together to determine next steps for student learning. So that sounds very formative and, um, yeah. and much more about like, how, where does our investigation go next rather than, okay, we're done with that unit. Let's give you a test on it to see if you learned what you were supposed to learn. So I think <clears throat> what that opens up that's important that re revisits our pattern here is that, that these things are open for interpretation. And so when you say evaluate, you don't always get the same thing and not everybody agrees on what evaluate means perfectly, right? So there's lots of discussion about what evaluate means or not discussion, but interpretation. And so some teachers may say, oh yeah, I did evaluation. Right. Here's Here it is. I gave a quiz at the end. Um, and other teachers say, well, that's not, that's not evaluation or, or researchers or whoever is making this argument. Um, but I think one of the, one of the things I'll start with about this 5e model that was problematic and, and I think well, remains, to, oh, go well, ahead. well, I think before we start like railing on it, let's, well, this is not railing on it. This is okay. actually, uh, uh, has to do with the interpretation issue, I think, um, okay. which is that there was a sense when, when the model was initially, well, and still, um, when, when it was initially introduced, and, and it continues to be the case that even though Roger Bybee explicitly said, this is not what I'm saying, there was a lot of like every piece goes in every lesson sort of problem yeah. about the 5e model, right? So they said, oh, well, you start and then it became a sort of um, like discrepant event version of of learning, which is you give some puzzling phenomenon, which is, you know, it happens through a demonstration at the beginning. The students try to explain or predict, observe, explain sort of pattern where you, and they predict what's going to happen. Then they observe what does happen and then they explain it and then you evaluate it. And that's the lesson for the day. And, and I think that interpretation was very strong for a while and included, you know, that was part of the struggle with NSTA is, is like if you were describing a one day lesson and you had to use the 5e model and you just said, well, this, this lesson is only about the engage part of the lesson. You know, they would say, well, that's then it's not a five E and it's like, well, no, that's not right. Right. Five like E is meant to be. I mean, I that, think the way it was conceptualized is that it was a multi-day, like this drives things over multiple days. Yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily defined in a, block of time that would be a single class it could right. be over a span of a unit it could be a span over a week it's like so i think and what i wanted to do you know is maybe spend a little time talking about like some of the pros with it like what are some of yeah. the you know benefits of it and, and and before we like you know before we get into the shaking fists at clouds thing. yeah well me may, and maybe before we do that i can do my little fifty thousand foot view thing here because i think it will inform how we talk about this this sure. sort of critique of the five which which really is like an, another theme of this show which is the confusion of the phenomenon as it exists in the world right if we're talking about science and the explanation of the phenomenon which is the science idea right so that's the way we talk about it in science is <clears throat> that there are phenomenon that are happening. Trees grow. That's a thing like that. That happens. That doesn't need us to explain it. It just does that because that's the way the world works. Now, given that we also have an explanation for why trees grow, but the explanation of why trees grow is not the same thing as the tree itself or trees themselves, right? Which sounds obvious in science, maybe, but when you transition that over into right. educational context, it gets a lot murkier. So, so what we would say is the, the, the notion of what we want kids to do in classrooms to learn science, um, which the, the actual practices have had lots of names. They've, they've been talked about in terms of inquiry, in terms of nature of science, in terms of science and engineering practices, right? So lots of, 
we're not going to go down the road of all the different other ones, but 5e is another one of those characterizations, right? And so confusing the characterization, the 5e model with what we want kids to do is, is the problem, right? Because when right. we start saying the 5e's are what kids do, the operationalizing in, a, in an ed psych world, right, of the thing, that the operationalizing is the thing. And this, carry, this carries across to all these things, right? So IQ, you know, that intelligence, that IQ right. is intelligence as opposed to intelligence, whatever that means, is this messy, complex human thing that's a mix of what goes on in your brain and out in the world and all this stuff. IQ is an operationalization. It's a way of measuring or characterizing that thing, but it's only one way and it's not the right way. It's a way. A way. Right. So I think that that sort of big framing is important to this because it applies as you started out in the beginning saying, Ali, like you can say that about Dewey's scientific method. Like he laid out the scientific method right. and it turned into this unwieldy beast. Like that kids memorize that, that it's the exactly. first that they memorize it. It's the it, rather than it, it's a conceptualization, operation, right. operationalized version of yeah. the scientific method. Right. Um but it's not the, the only scientific method. It's right. a way of describing it. Right. And it becomes the way of describing it. And there's like billions of these, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think about like the Addy model of instructional design. It's like, oh, like there are multiple ways of in doing instructional design. Addy just has sucked all the air out of the room. But there's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right. And, and so rather than it becomes the thing rather than describing the thing. Right. Well, and, and what I was going to say is like, you know, this is this is fundamental to human language, right? Like the, you can pick anything blue, right? So blue is a construct of human language, right? Like we say, am I wearing a blue shirt? Well, you know, maybe it depends. Like that is a negotiated thing because blue covers a lot of stuff. So are you counting teal as blue? Are you counting like you know, sky blue? Is that blue? Yeah, it's got blue in the title. So it's probably blue. Yeah. But, you know, but but the point is like. We, this is what we do as humans. We constantly are organizing and categorizing the world, um, but mixing up those categories that we've created and agree upon with the thing that we're talking about as in one-to-one correspondence is where you start getting into problems. And it just gets worse when that thing is more complicated. Like, what do you want kids to do in a science classroom? Yeah. But I think that's that's where I think some of the benefit of this lies. I think yeah, that I agree. if you're, you're a new science teacher... Um, and that's, we work with new science teachers. We both yes. are working with developing, you know, <clears throat> science teachers. People are just brand new to the field. And sometimes that the way they, you know, conceptualize what a classroom should look like is very different from the type of reform-based practices that you're, you and I are suggesting, you know, sure. and, or the next generation science standards are, are pushing too, because, right. you know, a lot of these folks have been very successful in, in lecture-based classrooms and that's what they, um, you know, that's what's been modeled to them. And then they're walking out into schools and they're hoping to do that. The, the 5e model can provide a really nice scaffold for them in terms of like, okay, here's an alternative way of, you know, creating a classroom. This is, you know, some ways that you should be thinking about the practice and things that you're setting up in terms of a unit or setting up in terms of a lesson. Um, and how are you, you know, getting the students to explore the concepts? Well, I'm, I'm, showing my PowerPoint slides, right? you know, so it gives, you know, sort of like a, you know, an inroad for, and there's lots of research behind this. It's a research-based, you know, model. So that can, that's the self should not be like ignored. I mean, there are lots of, you know, time and effort and publications that have scholarly publications have gone and, and examined this and, and shown its efficacy to some, you know, degree, and that's probably one of the reasons why it's become the thing, right? right. Is that because there's so much energy and, and research behind it. That's like, okay, you know, cause I've gone, I've gone to co like other colleges and I've gone into like the science ed wing and like, I'll see five E like plastered everywhere sure. in the hallway. Like it's like this five oh, E, right. you know, but to take it back to this, this idea of like, it's been tested and it's efficacious. Like this is part of the problem, right? Is that, what's going on in that classroom that we're saying is 5e could be easily interpreted in any of these other models as being the same thing. And so this is like, this is the challenge that I, I see with 
sort of experimental methodologies in education. It's like, okay, I want you to do an experiment where you compare the 5E model to AST. It's like, that's a stupid question. Those things fundamentally are built on the same principles. The structure of them are very similar. I'm not saying that you can't look to see whether those kinds of activities are useful for kids, but using those particular operationalizations of that is, is just a, you know, it's like, um, I can't think of a, I'll think of a good analogy, but it, you know, like you're, you're comparing two versions of an explanation to a thing, um, and saying, which one's a better explanation. And it, when we're talking about what kids are doing in classrooms, that that's very complicated and difficult. And so just drawing a line and saying, this is 5e and that's AST or whatever, um, isn't sensible. And it's not what those people were doing. Right. I mean, I think the strength of, and this, this is another theme of the show, right? Is that, and you said it at the beginning, you know, Roger Bybee didn't lay this out to be a heuristic that everybody followed in lockstep. He, he set this up as a way to characterize important ways to think about classrooms, but because it's open for interpretation, like you were saying, we give it to pre-service teachers or we give it to whoever that we're trying to help think about new ways of teaching. Well, one of the first things that they almost always do is reinterpret what they're doing in the framework. So they don't change what they're doing to match the framework. They reinterpret the framework to match what they're doing. So they say, well, yeah, I engage students because in the beginning of class, I show them a picture of a dog and I say, do you know how dogs got this way? And then, and then I give my lecture on PowerPoint. So I engaged them um, yeah. in the beginning. And then I so did I the explanation. I did and, the explain. Exactly. Right, and then I, I evaluated it. And I so evaluated what, it. what do you want from me? Like I'm, I'm nailing it. I've got all the ease. And um, they elaborate because they're applying it on the worksheet that I give. That's and, right. To yeah. a different phenomenon. I ask right. them to, to say what other things does this apply to, or I give them mountain goats and ask them how mountain goats are different to and the same from dogs. And, and there they elaborated. Look at that. So wow. I think that's five that's, E nailed it. Nailed it. We just, we just designed a lesson. That's five E. So I and think, I yeah, that's the challenge is, is because these things are open to interpretation, they can be interpreted poorly. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the, that's the challenge with it, like almost anything that people bring to education as like some, some sort of reform or some sort of change is that, you know, since, our instructional practices are so rooted in who we are as people, as teachers, that it's we adapt the model to fit us mm-hmm. rather than develop adapting us to fit the model. I sure. think because it's like it's it's all about personal change. And that's th- those are some of the hardest things to, to do, like to change our habits and change our activities and change who we are. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the real hard parts about, you know, working in education and working in, you know, teacher education and professional development and all that is that it's really hard to change that inertia. You know? Yeah. And when, and when we talk about teaching as a relational activity, right, um, which yeah. we do a lot, um, one of the things about relationships is they involve you right? As a human being, and you can't get around that. And so this idea of like, okay, you have to understand something about yourself and be able to be self-reflective about who you are and how you think about the world. If you're going to be a good teacher, because you, you can't, um, you can't do it independent of that. Teaching doesn't exist. You know, this goes back to the idea of like, tell me what the tips and tricks are for teaching. It's like, well, tell me, tell me what the tips and tricks are for, for having a good friendship or, or having a good relationship with your partner, right? It's like, well, I can give you tips and tricks, but they're not really going to be that useful because what matters is, do you understand the person that you're in relation with? And, and if not, how do you understand them better? And then how do you use that as a way to, to build rapport with them? I mean, that I, I, I know teaching involves actually understanding content and we're, we're not saying that we're therapists and that's what our job is as science teachers. But what we are saying is, that doing teaching as a thing is relational work. And therefore you have to understand yourself a little. And, and to bring this back, this, there's a research base about this in terms of both individual and school level change. Elmore's work about how schools and individuals like essentially convert the, their, the new language into a description of what their current practice is. Like this is, this is well-established. Like this is not just Ali and I ha- talking anecdotally about this. <laughs> this is a thing that happens and we know yeah. it happens. Right. And this is the, 
you know, the, uh, I don't want to do the new math because in a month there's going to be a new, new math. And then I'm going to have to do that. And it's just all, you're just all, you know, changing the labels on stuff and blah, blah. You know, sorry. That yeah. was my imitation of the, the gr- Dr. Cranky pants teacher in the, uh, in the so you were, it, that was very meta. Uh, you were, yeah, you were, you. It, you know, Dr. Cranky pants playing the role of Dr. Cranky pants yes. just except, in a different Yeah. Except different that how, how I'll differentiate is the Dr. Cranky pants I was making fun of has no basis for being cranky. They're just lazy and don't want to change. Whereas I am legitimately cranky. <laughs> well, thank you for the clarification. Yes. Scott. <laughs> so note that legitimately Dr. Well, cranky pants. I'm writing that down right now. Dr. Legitimate <laughs> cranky pants, as opposed to that other guy who just says, Bleh, I don't want to change anything. Well, I mean, but they, they see it in schools, right? Anyone who's worked in schools, that's, this happens. It's like, yeah. you know, new administrators comes in and, and then, you know, they change all of this and it, and these reforms that, uh, and I'm using that in, you know, sort of, uh, in quotations reforms mm-hmm. they um they come in and then the next administrator changes the things again and so over a course of you know 20 30 year career they a- see that their practice hasn't changed very much while all of the you know trappings and all of the reforms have you know come and gone and yep. so yeah and that i mean that's the this is the problem of doing change work in schools yeah. um or change work with pre-service teachers even is is there is that sense of you know i was just talking with a with a local school district here and and one of the people i i'm hoping to be working with was talking about some of the teachers they work with and how they're viewing the new pennsylvania science standards which are ngss aligned um, and, and the reaction, which is just such a classic reaction is like, why are we doing this? Like uh, what we're doing works. Why are we changing? We should be just like, we're doing a, basically we're doing a great job. And I hear that from, you know, teachers all up and down the line, right. Whether they're, they're, I mean, practicing teachers, but I think, you know, I see it particularly amongst, um, amongst high school teachers. And I think that, that, you know, speaking as a former high school teacher, I think that that's, a challenge that high school teachers have to face is like, what does it mean to be successful as a, as a teacher? And, you know, oftentimes it's like, Oh, well, my kids who went away to college, come back and tell me what a great job I did preparing them for college. And it's like, okay, so you did a really great job preparing people for a really bad system of learning. Well, I don't know that that's really a lot. It, um, not to mention the fact that none of the kids who, who felt like you didn't prepare them well are coming by and knocking on your door and saying, Hey, Mr. Dran, I just wanted to stop by and tell you that your class was not only useless while I was taking it, but when I got into college, it it was super useless because it didn't prepare me for anything. Like n- nobody nobody gets those comments because those kids aren't going to bother to stop by your class, yeah. right? Sorry, that Mr. Ex- Dran, that, that explains everything. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so that's why you and I got so many positive comments at our teaching because because the, the other kids don't <laughs> yeah, show were, up. They didn't show up. That's right. But I think that one of the things you you mentioned, I don't know whether it was in in one of our episodes or whether it was uh, just in in conversation, was that you're working with, you know, a middle school and that one of the teachers that you've worked with says, I'm just not going to go back like that, that that they they were so engaged that with, you know, and it was AST aligned. But um, Mm -hmm. but I think that's the thing that and, and for those of you who are, uh, we're talking to ambition science teaching versus the five oh, stuff. Yeah, keep using that. yeah. But, um, but I think that that's the powerful part about it is that it changes the classroom in a way that if you're into relational teaching, that if you're into knowing your kids and engaging with the kids and getting into their brains and seeing how they think and, and, and helping them to develop into more scientific thinking individuals, which is something that's going to prepare them not just for learning your in your class, but learning in life, that you will find comfort in this style of teaching. This will be something that is will resonate with you and you'll you'll love it. And you'll be like, I I I don't know what what I was doing before. <laughs> right. And and but but I also want to say like the 
the other piece of that, which I think this guy exemplifies that we're talking about, and I'm not going to name his name just because I don't have clearance to do that, but he's working to write a paper about this exact transformation. Um, before he started trying these kinds of new kinds of pedagogy, he was recognized as a great teacher. He was nominated for the Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year Award. Like he's not, he was, he was a great science teacher by all accounts, right? Um, and what, but what he says uh, is that he was starting to hate science teaching, that it was, he didn't, under, he, he didn't like it. He didn't, he wasn't, he didn't feel like he was growing. He didn't think he was doing a good job. He didn't think the kids were actually learning science. And he was deeply frustrated and thinking about leaving the profession, which, you know, he was, and he was a really strong science teacher. So I think the interesting thing for him was the beginning was hard for him. And I think it's hard for everybody. I think this is the nature of that kind of change. And he really struggled with it in the beginning. And, but now what he says is it, it has revitalized his interest in teaching. It, it helps him understand um, what, what teaching really is supposed to look like and that he would never, ever go back. He would quit before going back to, um, you know, the way of teaching he was asked to do prior to that. And I think, um, you know, it, it's not, I guess the thing I want to push on a little is I want, I don't want it to seem like only people who are interested in relationships with their kids and understanding their kids are the people who will benefit from this. I think the thing that, um, that teachers don't necessarily recognize is how much they're missing out on the opportunities that they're missing out on by teaching the way that they currently do in this very directive um, and didactic way that, that by opening yourself up to the opportunity that you can, you know, treat your kids like human beings and talk with them and understand them, it actually improves your experience as a teacher. And, and it improves in so many ways. Like it reduces a lot of the things that teachers hate most about their job, which is things like, you know, quote unquote, classroom management. And we've talked right. about that before, but punishment and, you know, writing, quote unquote, writing kids up like these things yeah. shift dramatically under the. So it's not just that the kids understand the science better. It's that the teachers like being in class better. The students like being in class better. And as a result, you have fewer of these sort of management issues. I'm not saying your class becomes a utopia. But when you spend all your time like policing your kids and making them sit in their chairs and be quiet and, and raise their hand if they want to sharpen their pencil, like the transition from that to an environment where you're actually respecting the kids and their ideas is transformational. Well, well maybe what we should do is try to, uh, if if he writes that paper, maybe bring that person onto the show, you know, sure. invite him on because I think that would be a really cool conversation to have, yeah. you know, and I, I think we've strayed a bit because we were talking yeah. about the, the five E to begin. And then we've jumped into like all of it, all of the variations of, of right. that, the AST, you know, five E thing. I mean, I, I guess what would be helpful for me is, you know, you talk about these as being different conceptualizations of what should happen in a science classroom. So, you know, we want to maybe move to the railing on the 5e model a little bit. I think we've done a little bit of that because we talked about the fact that it's the, it's the thing, right? It becomes the thing and it becomes the monster that takes over the, the room. And then there are other ways of organizing, you know, classroom, um, classroom discourse and, you know, activity. But how do you see the differentiation between those two models and, um, you know, from AST versus 5e? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> oh, that that is a in, an no. interesting poll. I, I don't know if we want to. No, just this guy. we're just gonna, nope, just gonna fly right by that. that. Pretend that didn't happen. Um, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things to note is that the five E model, the way that it's described, has shifted over time, right? So the this idea of this um, puzzling phenomenon is not exactly how it was described in the beginning. Um, but, but I think that has been influenced by the phenomenon driven sorts of pedagogy. Right. Yep. Um, and I, I mean, I think, I think the the thing that's that, I, well, the strength of the five E model is it has most of the, most of what we're looking for, I guess, really is we do want kids to look at real phenomenon to explore something. Right. I think the difference between, if we can break it down piece by piece, 
the way that a, a, a more contemporary, I'm just going to call it, notion of science teaching, uh, it, like ambitious science teaching, or NGSS, more, more NGSS aligned, is it's not just exploring in that beginning part. You want them building an initial explanation. So it's not just like wandering around, you know, you I've engaged you and I don't like engage engage is a, a word I really think is right. troubling in, in educational context for all sorts of reasons, but, but choosing something that, that kids will, will want to, or feel interested in explaining. I think that makes sense. So that's the engagement part and the explore part. Um, you know, they, the, the idea there is, um, that so so the characterization here is students always actively explore before they incorporate what they learn into their explanation. So you could argue that that maps onto some of the other you know notions of, for example, building on, uh, building ongoing understandings, which is part of ambitious science teaching, right? So there's there's this idea that you want kids to engage with the material world, collect data analyze it, use that as a foundation for, for furthering their explanation. Um, so I think, I think there are, I think the problem for me is not so much the individual five E things, but that they don't give enough of uh, sort of what does this look like for the teacher? Like how do teachers do this? Um, it, that, that I think it, practices like sets of practices like ambitious science teaching try to do right with talk moves and discourse um, explanations of of what you're looking for from ki for kids and what what you're looking for from teachers as part of that ongoing conversation and then what the goals of those things are so i think there's fundamentally there's nothing wrong with the 5e model what the problem oh, that it has i'm just gonna take that little snippet and just and, yeah I don't know that that's a ringing endorsement. Fundamentally, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Um, but what it what it does is it becomes the thing that we were talking about before. It becomes a heuristic that yeah. is applied without deep thought and understanding about what the five E's actually are meant to represent. And it often is mapped onto current practice. So you just say, I'm already doing this. So um, I think one of the things that I like about ambitious science teaching is it's very difficult to say I'm already doing this um, because it's because the descriptions of it are clear and and even the the many of the titles of the practices are clear enough that it's very difficult to just say yeah I'm already doing this I don't know what you're talking about yeah. uh, so all right five e ringing endorsement there's ringing endorsement fundamentally the there's nothing wrong with it <laughs> <laughs> not the worst model I've ever seen but close. Wow. You want to run out and buy that. Yeah. <laughs> this this model nails mediocrity right on the head. That's uh, great. Yeah, yeah I, I share your uh your reservations with the word engage. I think yeah. uh I, I worry a lot about engage for a lot of people is entertain. Mm. Um and and so engagement, you know, that is something where like, hey, I you know I did this thing and the kids were really, you know, entertained by this. And I yeah. know that's probably not the intent for a lot of teachers, but um, yeah, it kind of gets into that a little too close for me. And yeah. so engagement is it, to, to, to my, you know, brain, it's, it's, it's very different. In yeah. Terms well, I think especially you and I have been, you to a greater degree than me, I think, but have been engaged in this sort of ed tech world. Yeah. And in ed tech world, engage does often mean like, oh, the iPad is engaging, which is to say yeah. it's novel and therefore kids are going to care about it. And it's, it's just not a very productive way of thinking about things. Yeah. But what is productive is. Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. So do you, you want to start? You got one? Uh, I, I, I think I can start if you want uh, me to start. Sure. Rock and roll. Okay. I'm going to start. Um, so, so my joy this week is a little weird. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a little weird, but it's I, on my own by myself. I don't often watch shows on my own, but, um, but I've been, my had some travel and my family was away for a little while. So I was home alone for a couple of days. 
And so I went back to a show that I started watching and I haven't watched since, which is Doom Patrol on, um, it's on HBO Max, right? Yeah. I have to, yeah. And uh, it's, it, you know, I, I read the comics uh, when I was, when I was younger and it's, it's a very odd um, show, but it's fascinating and, and, you know, is, it's got a, uh, it's got a lot of interesting things to it. It's got some sort of a Hellboy vibe, if you know Hellboy and Mike Mike Mignola's work, um, because there's like Nazis and yeah. there's all this history to that and all this weird arcane stuff going on. But it, but essentially, it's about a group of sort of ragtag non superheroes who sort of have superpowers. Um, but many of them don't really want their superpowers or are annoyed by their superpowers. And then they sort of start to develop into a team, um, that does missions to, to, you know, save the world usually, or save somebody or something, but I like it. It's not, it's not like the greatest television show I've ever seen, but it's, it's, it's well acted and quirky and fun and weird. And, uh, and it's sort of right in my wheelhouse. So if, if any of those adjectives, uh, uh apply to you, you may want to, uh, take a look at doom patrol. Yeah. I, it's been on my, my short list of, of things to watch. I have, I haven't, I know, uh, who's the one, one actor who voices the, yeah, he's, he was the caveman and he was also in the Pharaoh movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll think of his name. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. he's the only person of note in that, right? Like, um, the yeah, the one of the big bad guys is a guy f- who you will recognize. He was in, um, uh, oh my gosh, he was in that that um, Brendan Fraser. Bre- Got, Look at you, nice I, pull, I, I, Brendan I was Fraser. Just from I didn't that Google it from, at all. That was from the brain brain pain. brain hole, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's a, there's another there's a couple other people in it that you you'll definitely recognize. Um, but it's yeah, it's not like a star-studded cast. It's uh, but it, I, I yeah, I I have really been enjoying it. But it but it's definitely quirky. So I've I've a I've a really good one. Oh, I, I do. Wow, setting the bar right. high out of the gate. So I went. Uh, I love movies. I love movies. And uh, my daughter's home from college, and the two of us, you know, had a random rainy afternoon where i'm like hey let's go let's go to the movies and so mm-hmm. we went to the movies we were the only ones at the noon showing of nice everything everywhere oh. all at once i thought i already recommended this did i not i don't think you did did oh. you see it yeah fantastic it is awesome it is so good uh i can't say enough about this this movie um i i've been trying to compare it like by i do this thing where like if i see a movie that's kind of hard to describe and i don't want to like you know give away too much i go well it's kind of like this this and this added together and so this is what i've come up with it is all right it 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 is matrix like so if you if you enjoyed the Mm -hmm. matrix there's some matrix Mm -hmm. stuff going on there um there's you know some multi-dimensional thing going on where you know, so I, I, it's kind of like, you know, the new Dr. Strange movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got some hidden crouching tiger, hidden dragon thing going on. Cause there's yep, some martial some, arts some stuff. Good martial arts. And, and Michelle Yeoh is in both. And so she's pretty awesome. But then I think the part that most people don't see, it's the, like the, like the lady bird, you know, movie or like turning red. You yep. know, there's yep. this mother daughter element there that my my daughter was just like crying, crying. Yeah. through a chunk. Of, that was unexpected. Yeah. You know, so there's this all of these elements because, you know, it's it's about a, a mom who is um, brought into this multiversal thing where she's like uh, the the hero. Right. And and yeah, I'm be, care- gonna- be careful. Yeah, don't leave it there i'm yeah. just gonna leave it there and uh and it's awesome it, it is, is really I if 100% you 100 agree it's it, it yeah i will say it's probably the best movie i've seen in a long time and i yeah. see a lot of movies yeah um no, it's it's a great and it, it's a weird ride but it's it it's worth it's worth every minute of it and the guy who plays Michelle Yao's husband was from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He was the little kid from that. Oh movie. my gosh. I was like, 
Wow. That is awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I didn't know that. I didn't so if know you, that. If you look back and you can, I mean, once you know that and you see him in the movie, you're like, I, Oh, yeah. absolutely. Now That's I absolutely it. who it is. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got, I mean, the only other person of note, if you watch Miss Maisel and you've watched the most recent seasons, um, the, uh, the, ex-husband's well jamie girlfriend. lee curtis is in the film oh yeah she's fantastic yeah jamie lee curtis you're right so That's, good yeah you're, you're right jamie lee curtis is in it and she uh when she's first on the screen you're just going is that jamie lee curtis yeah you know well throughout well, the whole movie they, they put a weird like bodysuit on her and right gave her a weird makeup it's uh yeah it, yeah and it just goes like I, I can't say that like there were times in the movie that I was laughing out loud. Like I was yeah. laughing with tears in my eyes because I was like, you know, I, I had that range of emotions on the exact same screen. Yeah. You know, it was wild. It was yeah. wild. Like I, it was kind of like, and this is just a complete like left, you know, turn here, but like Jojo rabbit, I don't know if yeah. you've seen that movie. Yeah, Jojo no, rabbit that's... is one of these movies where you're laughing at parts and then it just rips you apart emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. This is that kind of movie where there are parts that are so it's not a take their kids to movie. No, no, because, it's definitely not. I mean, it's not overly well, violent. If, you, but... if your kid, if your kids are old or. Yes. Yeah. But there might be some uncomfortable moments with your. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because there's some yeah. some adult humor there. Yes, there is. But it's yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Go see it. Go, Definitely yeah. one of the best movies in a long, long time. Yeah. It's it's just so inventive. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Some great storytelling. And, and the and the the way that they transition between universes is fantastic like that yeah. that that whole thing that they invented for how how you jump around is, yeah. is awesome so yeah that that in itself like whoever came up with that was like we yeah. can have them do this yeah and it's like oh that's great yeah it's, it's so good <laughs> uh all right all well, right that, there it is, there my, it is. My, yeah so go go watch doom patrol or go to the movies and go see everything everywhere all at once. And you should see it in the theaters because it's a big yeah, movie. It's good. It's, like, it's worth it those, for that. Yeah, you should see it on the big screen because it's one of those things you would want to see there. But yeah. uh yeah. And go at noon. No one will be there. So no if there's no word, yeah. Yeah. Pay that matinee price. Yeah. But uh until then. Yeah, catch you next time. In between. See you then. Bye now. <laughs>